hour number three on this Tuesday afternoon. Darren, Donnie, can chase live here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Bridgestone Arena tonight. Predators and Anaheim Ducks. Seven o'clock puck drop. Pre-game at six. Everything heard right here on ESPN 1025. The game. Mitch Light, Athlon Sports, also Vanderbilt. Sideline reporter, before we get into the hot and heavy college football topics, you want to weigh in on what the spread would be if one Wiley Danuke was under center on Saturday <laughs> versus Arkansas. So you do not agree with our conversation. I I would I would bet on Arkansas. What? <laughs> and I have the utmost respect for Willie's what, what would be the as a former two right. two sport. To saying, lose the game? Like Alabama loses the game yes. with Willie if, as if Willie's quarterback? Willie's quarterback for Alabama, Arkansas would beat Alabama. Wow, this is deflating. The question is, would I be in the hospital at the end of the game? I mean, well, I yeah, would get I lit you, up hand by it, somebody. Hand it off, throw screens, just yeah, get out of the way, man. Yeah, then it, throw you know, five I'm, I'm not the biggest John Chavis fan, <laughs> but I think he'd figure out the game plan with Do Willie Donnie at <laughs> quarterback. You think Chief could game plan Willie? Uh, I think. He, he he might harken back to some of the old Woody uh, teams from the uh, <laughs> late 90s offenses and, and, and take out that game plan again. The first thing he would say would be like, this guy's how old? <laughs> <laughs> 48? 48? Are we, are we playing BYU? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> this guy's been on a mission for the last 25 years. It, speaking of which, and um, not to get too far down a rabbit hole, I was looking up because BYU started a, a freshman at quarterback. Romney was his last name, and I, he might even be a, a Mitt Romney relative, whatever. But <laughs> I was looking. He, he graduated high school. I wanted to see what kind. You know, a lot of times when there's a freshman at a school like that that I'm not familiar with, I look up their recruiting rankings to see right. how highly they're recruited. He was in the class of 2015. Yeah. And he's a freshman. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I know you got your two-year mission. We could have been a red shirt there. So, it really – I mean, he's going to be, you know, 26 20s. when he's done with when, when he's done with college. So. I, you know, I had an interesting discussion with Kevin Dyson. Aren't about all of that. your discussions interesting, Willie? The ones I bring to the table okay. for on air. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, at least I would like to think so. But Kevin Dyson grew up in Utah, and he played at the University of Utah. But I, I asked him about that. I was like, should, is it a big advantage? You know, shouldn't it be – like, I, in theory – I would think if I were playing college basketball at 24 or 25, I was a much better player then than when I was 18 or 19. Just physically. But he said, more developed. you got to remember, though, they go away for two years and they don't play at all. They don't, they're not weight training. They're not practicing. They're, their, they're diets, off. their diets aren't great. Yeah, they're, they're off who knows where on this mission. So I guess for some people they can come back and do well, but for others they don't. That's, I, I that's would, why they don't win the national championship every year. You no, know, their players aren't as good. I mean, I, I would think yeah. it's a positive though. You they're, think they're, overall they're, it's a they're, positive. Yeah, you've got linemen coming back, twenty years old. Sure, they might be a little bit out of shape, but it's just natural. You're, you're going to be more physically ready to mature. Mature. Yeah. You're going to be more mature at twenty-one than you are at eighteen. Just think of some teams that for like Tennessee's forced to. They're starting two true freshmen on the offensive line. Those are high five-star players, they're two years older, they're that much more developed. And even though they, yeah. there might be a little bit of a setback from n- not being around the sport for two It probably years. also depends on the player. Sure. Like some players are probably better at jumping back in. Sure. Others might be like, I haven't played in a couple of years. Do I really want to play? And basketball is more of a kind of, I think, riding the bicycle type sport. You know, it's like getting back on the bike and it comes more mm-hmm. – your skills come back, whereas football is a little bit different. More yeah. physical, more demanding physically. So Tua had surgery on his right ankle. Okay, he is out against Arkansas, which is what I've said is basically a bye week for Alabama. They've got two straight off weeks before the big one. They're going to get by no matter who they put under center against Arkansas. Arkansas is horrendous. So 
everything is going to shift to what does this mean for November 9th? Because that is setting up for the college football game of the year, right? Alabama sure. and LSU in Tuscaloosa. What, what, what is your gut? Uh, who people you're talking to? I mean, do you think there's a real shot that Tua does not, he's not able to play for this game? And if so, what does that mean for this game? Does, can LSU actually walk in there and walk out with a victory? I would have thought before Tua's injury, you know, two weeks to make the prediction, things change, Alabama struggles against Arkansas, you know, weird things can happen. I would have felt good about LSU's chance. I feel good about LSU's chances to win in, in Tuscaloosa with both teams being completely No matter healthy. what? Yeah. I'm oh, not okay. saying I would have picked them. Okay. But I I, I, I would. I, I don't. So with Tua, you could still think LSU could win this could, game. Could win the game. I, okay. I, think, I think they're just, they're built differently. They, they don't need to be as perfect. When you're, when you're playing – 10-7 games or 17-7 games, you need to be perfect to beat Alabama. If you're playing 38-31 games, there's more possessions, there's more, you can overcome turnovers, you don't have to be as perfect. If two is not healthy or two is not, if two is not playing, I think LSU becomes the clear favorite. We just don't know if he plays and he's healthy, there's no way any of us know, with an ankle especially, how healthy you are, how much it affects your game, can you run, can you move in the pocket, so it's just we're going we're gonna to sit here and speculate for two weeks, but I, I give LSU a great shot to win that game. How much do you think, and I know this is still a little little off, but, I mean, we've already been talking about it all year, the tanking for Tua in Miami, but how much do you think, now this is his other ankle, right? I mean, we know his ankle came into question last year, and they were able to get away with it at the end in the first playoff game, and he looked fine. But then when they went up against Clemson, you know, he was not the same. And obviously we know the outcome of that. And now it's this ankle. How much do you think that is going to be a concern or will it that people are going to start going, does he have ankle issues? This is, you know, just me from the outside, obviously no sort of medical expert or anything like that. I would think that injury, like, that happened on Saturday, someone fell or his own player and his ankle bent in a weird way. That's going to happen to anyone. It's not like he has structural issues to his knee like we're talking about right. Zion Williamson where the people are wondering long-term or someone had a, sh- a shoulder surgery as a freshman and they, they're still suffering some, some ill effects from that. I don't see it like that. I think it might be just two fluke incidents. If I'm just drafting, football plays. If I'm drafting a quarterback, I, you ask me the list of injuries that I'm okay with, probably ankle injuries. Or, you know, I, I know people are built differently structure of your 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 bones and muscles and all that stuff your tendons everyone's different i would not so you don't think he gets labeled when it comes combine time and i would think not i would think not okay i i guess if i'm miami i would prefer to draft a quarterback who's never been hurt but i I don't think it would affect my decision okay uh this is a critical critical game in ann arbor on saturday right or or i don't know you're gonna tell i don't you're gonna tell us it's an important game for Michigan's season this year. Okay, but what, if, what if they lose this game? What, what does that mean? It means they have three losses for the year. Jim Harbaugh's not getting fired. <laughs> Don't, you, you do not believe any – no way, no how this doesn't do anything? If they lose, they'd be 5-3. and three. If they go 5-7 and seven and they get blown out and every yeah, – no, Mitch, he's not getting fired. But you know I, this is not just another lo- – But no, this is us talking I, on sports radio a thousand miles away. At Michigan, they're not fired. Ward Manuel, the athletic director, is not firing. Michigan. So you but is he think, leaving? So you think they're all just in a bubble and a cocoon that the whole country says that basically Jim Harbaugh doesn't win big games, and they don't hear any of that noise. Like the whole country is talking care. about it, but in Ann Arbor, they're in a bubble and nobody I'm not, knows. I'm not saying that. I just I think their expectations and the way they look at their program from the interior is not the same way. 
And I think it's probably at every school. They have their own set of expectations and their own set, the, the way they value their program, and then everyone else does. Just because knuckleheads like us at Athlon Sports picking to make the college football playoff and they don't make it, maybe Ward Manual, maybe at Michigan, they did not have those same expectations. And I'm not sitting here saying that Michigan doesn't expect to, to win championships. Of course they do. But I, I just, again, I'd be shocked this is if you got five, fired. though, right? Yeah, I'd I mean, be shocked. If he, not... now, now, what Chase just said, if he decides he wants to go back to the NFL or something, that, that's a whole other story. Well, that, all right, I've thrown that out many times. I don't believe he'll get fired. He'll probably just leave. Because at some point, this is going to get weird. I, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but at some point it's going to get weird and hairy. If they lose again, especially at home to Notre Dame, this is a huge rivalry game. And this whole narrative that he never wins any of these big games, it's the same thing Notre Dame battles with, right? It's the same narrative for them. They'll the, never the, win the big games. The big games are the only games that you lose. But, right? but when you go People to Michigan, you about Peyton Manning in college. But when you yeah. go to Michigan and Notre Dame, that's that's what I'm saying. Nobody, they, you don't bring in certain people to beat Air Force and Navy and Illinois and Indiana. Like they can get coaches to do that. They bring them in to take them to that next level. Fair. Yeah, and I mean, you could argue that Jim Harbaugh has raised Michigan's profile since in the pre- since taking over from Brady Hoke. That they're consistently more competitive. Do they have a profile let, with Brady? Let, Hoke? Let's say they go eight and four this year, and there's no expectations next year, and they break through and they win the Big Ten. Like weird things happen. Tennessee wins its national championship the year after Peyton Manning. It took Tom Osborne a long time to win a national championship at Nebraska. I know we live in a different era, and I think you, you go back to to Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. Uh, and there's another Urban Meyer coaches who won championships in year two. They they, they changed the the timeline for all these coaches. So I just I'm not going to sit here and say Jim Harbaugh is doing a great job. I just I'm not buying into the quote unquote narrative that he's he's on the hot seat. I just I don't see that. I mean, he's already lost to Penn State. That just happened. And he loses to Ohio State. I mean, I, I just think at some point, I mean, they can. You're not going to get me to change my mind. You can. Keep I know, writing. but I mean, you can't just keep acting like there's nothing to see I'm, here if you're Michigan. I mean, there's no way. They're five and two right now. They, they don't hire and pay Jim Harbaugh what they did to keep losing to Penn State and Ohio State and not ever winning a conference. Forget getting to the playoffs. They haven't won a conference. They beat Penn State forty-two to seven last year. Okay. Are you saying they never? Is that not a big game? Yeah. Okay. But that's we don't it. talk about that because we don't win big games. But we won that game for and not right, we. But this is this year. And this you said year you said different. he never wins big games. Was Penn State ranked last year that game? Yeah, no. seventeen. Last year? Yeah, I'm looking right at college football reference. I, reference. I, I think to be fair, they've won some games that you would have to say are big. Like the the year that Penn State almost was in the playoffs, they got throttled by by Michigan. I think the 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 knock is the big games on the road in particular. Right. They've struggled a lot, and, and they they have not been. In fact, just the way they battled back and had a chance to tie the game was fairly significant because they've had a lot of lopsided losses against the in the big games. Well, on the road. I mean, yeah, they they went to Wisconsin and just got chewed up and spit out this year, and yeah, the, Wisconsin it, just lost to Illinois. He's twenty nine and eleven in the Big Ten. That's pretty good. Playing in the Big Ten East with Michigan State's being at a, a program high with with Ohio State. With Penn State, I, I think that's he went six and two, seven and two, five and four, eight and one. He's three and two this year. You, you think he should be fired? It's not a matter of what I think. Well, you ask me my opinion, I say if no. You were, keep pushing. If back. you're asking me, do I think he's doing as great of a job as you're painting? The I'm picture? not saying no. he's doing a great of a job. You asked me no. if he should no, be fired, but, but and I said no. Let's put it. Put yourself in the shoes of a diehard Michigan fan. The, the choice is: Do you make noise and say we want somebody else, 
because you're already because all you your other choices invested, have been great. You have a lot of invested money in Harbaugh. You know what the school would have to pay to get rid of him if you if you really wanted to get rid of him. And then who who's the alternative? See now here's here's something. Who would that, you rather have? I, I, where, I think that's where it kind of you kind of if you're realistic, you say I we can't make a move here. Well, to here's now I'm going to give you a point, okay? Because this is going to be a point for you. I don't need any points from you. Well, <laughs> I'm going to give you one anyway, whether you're going to take okay. it or not. Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez. I mean, they. I mean, so they can throw. You can throw back in my lap. Well, okay, well, great. That's why I said trust, they. You got to trust those people to go make a better hire. That's why I say they raised Jim Harbaugh. They, whether or not you some, don't think he's achieved what you think is possible there, he has raised the 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 level of play in Michigan in his in his four plus seasons there. They are better than they were in the previous five seasons. Why don't you think he's been able to get the quarterback? That, that position, I was, literally, like that, like that is supposed to be really his specialty. There. And why has it been a, a? I mean, I don't want to say an epic failure, but it hasn't worked to the level that everybody thought. Yeah, and that's I, literally before I came over here, I was doing a radio show in, in Omaha, Nebraska. We were talking about the exact same thing about Miami struggles, and I just said, you know what? It's the quarterback position. When you have the wrong, when you don't have the right quarterback, you have to be so good elsewhere. You know, your margin for error isn't as great. Same thing at Michigan. His yeah, his best season of quarterback play was probably Jake Rudock, the, the grad transfer from yeah. Iowa, I think, in year two. Shea Patterson seemed like the ideal fit there, or maybe not fit for the scheme at the time, but for, fit for this scheme. He he was, you know, maybe a little misevaluated. He, I, I don't know. That, and that has been a big problem. At, at Stanford, he got Andrew Luck. That was a huge recruiting coup. Uh, in Stanford, and Andrew Luck, obviously, one of the best college quarterbacks we've seen. But that, that is a – look at Ohio State. Ohio State has had, off the top of my head, good quarterback play pretty much every year yeah. in the past eight to ten years. Different styles, different yes. guys, some better than the other. Quarterback has never been a weakness at Ohio State in this recent run. It has not been a strength at Michigan, except maybe Rudock was second-team all-conference that year. Right, and it's not like Ohio State's been pumping number one picks you know, in the draft from the quarterback position. Right. Right. Most of the quarterbacks that have been very successful until Haskins this year aren't even getting drafted, right? Or at least changing positions. Yeah, so or they're not right. even, you know, so I mean, but, I'm just looking through 2017. John O'Corn, Brandon Peters, who's now the quarterback at Illinois. Wilson, Wilton Spate, who right. transferred to um, UCLA. 2018, Shea Patterson. Now, they like Dylan McCaffrey, uh, the, the sophomore who got hurt earlier this year. But, you know, they, they thought Shea Patterson was going to be good as well. So, you know, Wilton Spate. 2015 was, uh, yeah, the, so yeah, Shane Morris, who ended up finishing his career at, at Central Michigan. So not, it's not like they're, these guys haven't been highly recruited. Right. All right, we will come back on the other side. We'll talk about Vanderbilt's big win. There's also some big games in the conference. A lot more to get into on the college football side. Mitch Light, Athlon Sports, here at the table with us. That's all next on Darren, Donnick, and Chase, ESPN, 1025, the game. Hanging out at Pete and Terry's Tavern on the Sobro side. Of Bridgestone Arena. Tonight, it's the Predators and the Anaheim Ducks. We'll have more on that game a little bit later. If you missed our interview with David Poyle, you can go to thegamenashville.com and check it out. And always remember, you can come by and have lunch with us. And we've got the lunch special going on. And it is a burger. And, and a beer. beer. And a beer. 1250. 12 Pretty good deal. Mitch Light is here with us talking college football. He's with Athlon Sports. Also, Vanderbilt sideline announcer. And Mitch, I, I think even the most optimistic of Vanderbilt fans, and I mean, the, there are some that are unbelievably optimistic based on everything we've seen. I think even those people were shocked at how well they played against Missouri, a team that had scored, what, 30 or more points in 11 straight games, a nation 
high, right? Nobody does. Even so. the Oklahomas yeah. have not had 30 or more in 11 straight. And Vanderbilt held them to 14. There were just so many things that were eye-popping about that game. How did they do it? Yeah, and the one thing about the scoring the 21 points, seven of them were set up by an interception down to like the two-yard yeah, yard, two yeah. line. Literally. The first pass yeah. by Riley Neal. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically the defense gave up 14 points, and that's the most surprising. If you would have told me that Vanderbilt would have, you know, even with the offensive struggles, really, that Vanderbilt would have won this game, I'd probably say 31-28, weird special team stuff, yeah. defensive scores, did not see a defensive battle like this. Yeah, and... Based on what we had seen before this season, not just the UNLV game, pretty much every other game, just the lack of competitiveness, that's what made this game that surprising. Missouri, I had my questions about Missouri. You know, people after Georgia losing and, and, and uh, Florida losing, people were saying maybe Missouri's the team to beat. Or I, I thought Missouri before the season was the third best team in the East. I still think they're probably the third best team in the East. They had played six straight was it six straight home games or five straight after that Wyoming game? The best team they had played was South Carolina. So they still had a lot to prove going on the road and, and clearly didn't handle it well. Obviously, I'm talking from the Missouri standpoint. Probably didn't think they'd be in a quote-unquote dogfight early on and didn't handle it well. I thought Vanderbilt's defensive line, which was shorthanded, Davion Davis, true freshman nose guard who started the last two games, was out with an injury. So they were shorthanded. I thought Vanderbilt really controlled Vanderbilt's defense controlled Missouri's offensive line, got in as much pressure on Kelly Bryan as Vanderbilt has gotten on a quarterback in, in, in recent memory. And then offensively, a lot of credit to Mo Hassan. I know he went out with an injury, but he just looked calm in there, and he added that dimension that this offense has not had, the running quarterback. I thought this year, would you lose in Kyle Shermer's passing, I thought that whether it would be Riley Neal or Deuce Wallace running the ball would kind of balance that to some degree well we haven't really seen that from those two guys so Mohassan adds the running element and you can say he's not as good of a passer we don't really know that yet he did hit Kalaja Lipscomb on one deep ball but it's not like Vanderbilt was throwing the deep ball either anyway with right. those guys so uh, and Keyshawn Vaughn continues to his numbers aren't as eye-popping as last year but he's probably having a better all-around season I agree that the tough yards that he got late where they basically milked six the clock. plus minutes yeah. In a seven-point That was lead. impressive. Yeah. And that, that doesn't show up necessarily in big, eye-popping numbers. He had the great screen pass. He's still a home run hitter. But the way he can accelerate, carry tacklers forward, if I'm a pro scout, I, I have to like a lot of what I'm seeing. And, and I've talked to a lot of Jerry Gadowski about this, the offensive coordinator, just how much more of a complete back he is. And that was, you know, fans sometimes would complain last year about him not being on the field some, and some of those complaints were valid, but a lot of them had to do with his other issues, not just running the ball. He's he's out there pretty much every down unless he needs a blow. You know, pass yeah. protection, like you said, he can catch the ball. We've seen him do that. Uh, so, yeah, just a, a really good overall performance by Vanderbilt. Again, you like the way they closed the game. Getting stops in the fourth quarter, forcing a long field goal with two sacks, and then running out the last six minutes of the clock. So just a uh, you know, and give that staff a ton of credit. I was in the locker room after the UNLV game. If you would have told me that that group of guys right there was going to come out and play its best game of the season, I, I wouldn't have believed it. There, there were so many games where they couldn't cover anybody, they couldn't stop the run. There were a number of plays, it just it, as I go back in my mind through the game, where Kelly Bryant, a mobile quarterback, is running around. He had enough time looking down the field and just could not find anybody. So where, where did the coverage, where did the speed, they seemed like they were flying to the ball a lot better. How did the light go on there? Good, good question. Uh, I, I will say there was. They looked a, like a totally different team. There was a much better energy from the team from the get go. And that's one thing that Joe always comes. Joe Fisher comes down to me early in the game to ask me because it's one thing you can sense down there, you know. And there was just 
Sometimes it's forced, sometimes it's not. There was like legitimate energy on the sidelines there, and then I think just it took a couple stops early to get some confidence. Interesting thing about Missouri, and, and one thing, when they came into the league, and before we knew they were going to be pretty good, those two years they went back-to-back, from being on the sidelines, one thing I noticed is how good-looking their wide receivers were. They used to have these big, tall, 6'2", 6'3", wide receivers, real physical specimens. Specimen. Specimens? Yeah. Spec- uh, whatever. So I noticed, and I said this. On, yeah, I said this on the broadcast <laughs> to Joe. You know, they've got a good offense, but you look at their wide receivers. Like Johnson, Jonathan Johnson's a pretty big dude. But other than that, they're more of the 5'11", 5'10", quicker guys. So I don't know if that had anything to do with the matchup there, but I, I did notice that Missouri's a good running team. They've got good running backs. I don't think they're as good at wide receivers as they've been. But I can't, you know, I'd love to – you know, give some truth serum to the defensive staff and ask them if it was just effort, if they did different things. But you're right. They, their coverage was a lot better. Let's go around the league a little bit. Auburn is at LSU. I know a lot of people are really looking forward, as we talked about in the first segment, about LSU against Alabama. Is this the classic look-ahead game? I, I see LSU as a double-digit favorite. I see Auburn as a team that is dangerous, though. I, I Am I, am I crazy to no. think that they could Remember, go down LSU there and win? and Alabama are both off before their big game, right? Both are off? Yes. Yeah, okay. So there's a week in between what yes. I'm thinking. It's not It's not the next Saturday, but still I – Let me confirm that. I, LSU plays Auburn, yes, and they're off. So, so yes. I feel like this is a good time – I still think it's a good time to play LSU. Yeah, I, I think Auburn – I give Auburn a lot of credit. I know Darren is not very fond of the Arkansas football team, basically, from what I've heard on this broadcast. No. I thought Arkansas actually would – The fake would, punt would on make, Saturday. You know, you, know, you know who that punter was? Who? Sam Loy, former Vanderbilt punter. Oh, really? He, tra- he was a starting punter at Vanderbilt his first two years. I didn't don't think he got along with the um, – he was highly recruited – he picked Vanderbilt. This is all coming first full circle. <laughs> Michigan was hot, hot after him. Jim Harbaugh, he picked Vanderbilt over Michigan. He was one of the top-rated punters. I don't think he got along of with course. Vanderbilt's former special teams coach. He transferred, was going to transfer to Colorado, but they ended up at Arkansas, and he's been Arkansas's punter the last few weeks. So I was watching those highlights, and I heard Sam Law. I was like, I remember that dude. Not a good pass. So I thought Arkansas might make Auburn sweat because despite their struggles, they do have some good skill position players. So I credit Auburn for going on the road and being really businesslike yeah, and just, just them. taking care of business there. Um, they're, they're, when they have it revved up, they look pretty good. The question yeah. probably is, I think you've been saying all year, how much progress has the freshman quarterback yeah. made? Offensive efficiency. And uh, they're outstanding running back uh, – Whitlow is out, too. Now, they had guys against Arkansas that could make up the difference. I don't know if these other guys are, you know, Cam Martin, some of those guys are good enough against LSU. The thing that I like in this spot for LSU is I think they're a pretty veteran team. I think Joe, Joe Burrow, fifth-year guy, some of the receivers, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the running back. I, I th- Burrow, if, I, if I'm him, I'm like, I didn't get this far. I didn't pay my dues at Ohio State, go through what I did last year to get this far in my career to stub my toe the week before the Alabama game. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win the game, but I don't see them overlooking Auburn in any stretch. I think this is – you're right, if you're Auburn and you could pick a time to play him, you probably would want to pick the, the week before Alabama. But I, I have confidence in this LSU team to kind of take care of business. I'm going to leave this wide open to take where you want to go because I, I think these two teams have had some really interesting last few weeks. But South Carolina at Tennessee – a big, big swing game for both teams. It's a huge game for South Carolina based on their strength of schedule, the toughness of their schedule. And Tennessee has been showing some signs of progress here. So how do you see Yeah, that? I can't get a feel for this game. I picked Tennessee outright against Mississippi State a couple weeks ago. I just thought that was a good spot. Yeah. Didn't love- can't get a feel for Tennessee, period. Yeah, and, and um, 
I would have picked. I picked ten games against the spread on, on our website every week, and I had Tennessee down that I was going to pick them to cover. If I knew more about the quarterback situation, if I felt better better about the quarterback situation, I, I would give Tennessee a better chance. And then you think this is a good spot for them, and you think two weeks ago South Carolina goes into Georgia and wins. What what is that Georgia defensive line going to do to a young Tennessee offensive line? And if and, and if Tennessee's not getting great quarterback play. You don't know if Brandon Maurer is going to play, and even if he does, he's throwing big interceptions. So, I, you know, gun to my head, I think I'd pick Tennessee in this game, but I don't have a strong feel because, again, I, I think Tennessee, South Carolina defensively can cause some problems for Tennessee up front and force the quarterbacks into making some big mistakes. But I think there's no doubt Tennessee's playing better football right now despite, you know, Tua going out and all the, the refereeing controversy and all that. Tennessee played a pretty good game. Uh, did a lot of good things at Alabama last weekend. Missouri, now after having the thorn, has to go to Kentucky. Where, where do you see Kentucky right now in their journey? Uh, we know we've, they've had the big injuries here. How have they coped with it? They're sitting at 1-4 and four in the league and 3-4 and four overall. To, to get to a bowl game would mean a lot for, for Kentucky based on what they lost from last year and then the injuries on top of it. Yeah, I mean, you look at their remaining schedule. They're 3-4, and four, Missouri and Tennessee at home. At Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Martin, and Louisville at home. If they can get healthy. They can get on a little bit of a run here, but I don't know if they can get healthy enough. I, Darren, you might know it. Sawyer Smith, I think, is going to be available this week at quarterback. Um, you would think he's a better option than, you know, Lynn Bowden, who's a great athlete, but, you know, is limited, obviously, at the quarterback position. They, they were fortunate to beat Arkansas two weeks. I like Missouri to get back on track in this game. I, I just think that they, they are clearly a better team than they showed uh, up the street. Last week, I, I think Kentucky's just offensive limitations are going to be too much to overcome. And don't forget last year's game, too. They'll be thinking about that, right? I mean, that was one of the more bizarre games of the year last year, which Kentucky came out on top. I was honestly surprised. I thought Georgia would absolutely destroy them. The, I Saturday. didn't see much of the game. How much of the weather impact do you think? I mean, because uh, Fromm's I mean, numbers were brutal. But think about look at. I thought South Carolina's weather was way sloppier. And look at that game. That was you know. The, they put up what fifty-eight points between the two teams. Well, Kentucky's been good defensively, but you it know. was what it was no score. When was the first third quarter? Time? Third quarter, midway through the third quarter, still yeah. no score. I got home, or I think I got home from the Vanderbilt game, and I turned it on. I saw zero zero, and I you know I expected to see the weather the one, delay. No, or, or the right. one by the quarter. I was like, whoa, third quarter. Yeah, and yeah. then of course they're making a big deal about how. Kentucky hadn't completed a pass, and then you turn it on. And they so, a pass so what right are, let's kick this around before we go to the break. Georgia, where they sit right That's now. That's kind of where I was going. I mean, like, it's really they? They, they had, I, I, the game against South Carolina was the classic. They got stuck. They got nervous yeah. at home. The crowd was That's nervous. That's almost better to be on the road in that game. Exactly. I, I thought they just, they just never got the switch on. It, 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 and then something freakish would happen, and the kid made some great plays in the defensive secondary. I mean, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. They didn't bounce back the way I thought, but do you th- uh, there's got to be something better. There, All right, though, let's, right? Let's, talk let's, let's talk about Georgia about the yeah. and some other ones. On the other side, more with Mitch Light from Athlon Sports, also Vanderbilt sideline reporter. Next on Darren, Donnick, and Chase, ESPN 1025 The Game. We're back here, ESPN 1025 The Game. Darren, Donnick, and Chase. Mitch Light from Athlon Sports is hanging out with us as he does every Tuesday at noon here at Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. So the question was asked, and we were all going to uh, expand upon Georgia and what we think about the Georgia Bulldogs right now. I'll start and say I guess the last two weeks is showing us maybe they're a little overrated. Yeah, but you know what? Wouldn't we all say that we've been thinking that about Florida all year? And yeah. Now well, I, I think Georgia's in a different 
I, I view Georgia differently because okay. I, I kind of I viewed Georgia as you did see him firsthand, right? As one of the elite teams, which they should have been to start the season. You know, you, you had your Clemson, Alabama, that that upper Oklahoma. You, you, about the three or four week mark, we saw about six teams separate themselves. We thought, and Georgia was in that group until they lost. I I think I'd go back more than just two weeks. The first half of the Tennessee game, they did not. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they they struggled, and they were just. They made some plays at the end of the half to, to get up, what, 26-14 and dominated. You know, Notre Dame didn't love the way they closed that game there. So you, you can poke holes at these. When, when teams, I say it all the time, when teams are this good, you talk about, you try and poke holes. What will prevent them from maybe winning a national championship? And I think it's fair to say Georgia, their lack of explosiveness on offense and their conservative nature. Right? They play like Alabama played early in the Nick Saban era, where they're just going to run the ball, they play defense, and they don't mind winning 20-10. to 10. Well, LSU and Alabama, they love winning 42-20, to 20, and they're just right. more dynamic offensively. Now, Georgia's limited at the wide receiver position. They've got talent, but those guys are young. They don't have the experience there. But I think that I think it's valid to criticize Georgia's the, just their whole M.O., the way they go about it. Now, well, I, I mean, I you don't, can bring up the first game because, I mean, Chase and I sat in the stands. Yeah. We weren't blown away by Georgia, but we chalked it up. It's first late game. August, first game of the season. Big and they were way ahead. Right, they got way league, ahead. Right. Screws, right. Don't screws. show anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're not, we weren't really looking into it too much. But, I mean, if we were just being honest, and I think we said on the show, it's not like we went out there and went, whoa. whoa. And if you saw Watch LSU out. three weeks later on that same field. Right. It was a little more of a wow. Yeah, yeah. it was a wow. Wow, yeah, definitely. So, I I thought that Georgia, like like you guys, had another gear and they would show more another dimension to their offense. But this would concern me too if I'm a pro scout trying to evaluate Jake Fromm. Is there? It's a pretty simple passing game. Most of the plays for a couple years now have been very simple, high percentage passes. And I kept thinking, okay, here's South Carolina. Here's where you need a jolt. You need to come up with another dimension. They're on you, right? They're they're stopping your stuff. Everybody's getting tight. Break loose. Show me a little diversity in the offense, a little wrinkle here, and nothing. But here, the other thing I am clinging to if I'm a Georgia fan is you lose that game against South Carolina. It's the letdown of, oh, we lost. We're not going to be undefeated. Going to, Are we still going to be able to get to the playoffs, all that stuff? It should rev back up. Right? Yeah, they, when, they have ample opportunity to yeah, prove to mentally. everyone they're the team that we thought they could be. Yes. Uh, now, from what we've seen in the past month, are they good enough to run the table? They have to play better. I, you know, they're, they're good enough, but they have to play better. You know, Florida in two weeks, neutral but, field. By the way, both are off yep. this week, and then it's the game in Jacksonville. Yeah. So then, right now, like, who would you, who would you lean toward today? Because we're not going to see neither one of them until they play each other. If Florida's at full strength defensively, I might go Florida. But they, they're banged up on the defensive line, uh, two key guys out. Uh, that's going to be, but they're still finding ways, though. I, I know, I know yeah. they, they've amazing. lost one, but they didn't still... have them in the South Carolina but, game, and they still. Right. But yeah. Georgia's. I was going to say Georgia's better than South Carolina, <laughs> which I still think Georgia <laughs> is better than South Carolina, but they lost the game. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's you got the LSU Alabama, and then Georgia Florida. It's 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 great to see the both those teams play. The key is the injuries. You just want to see all those teams at full strength. We've already talked about Tua. Florida's so much better when their defensive line is at full strength. I, I think. I still say, and this isn't being critical of Florida, they're, they're very, very good. In, in year two under Dan Mullen, they've done great things. They're just not the same team offensively that Alabama is, that LSU is, and Georgia at its best. They're just the offensive lines limited. But what's interesting is that game down in Jacksonville, 
winner is still alive for the whole big oh, picture. Oh, sure. Yes. Well, winner's winner. going to Atlanta. Well, no, I don't talk, that's not the big picture. Right, but I'm that's a part of it. The, that's a part well, of the right, picture. that puts you in the spot <laughs> to go even further. That's yeah. what I'm saying. The winner is alive for, for the whole shebang. Now, now yeah. Georgia still has to play Missouri at home, and then at Auburn, Florida after that, only they have they're at, they're at Missouri, easier. but Missouri has owned them. They, you know, it's like five and two since it might be. I think Missouri might be five and two has or something like. Owned Florida. Yes, look at the recent wow, scores. Yeah. Uh, and then they get Florida State at home, so they so both their have path is way easier. Georgia's but, got Georgia has the bigger hurdle. Yeah, but I think if you're if you're the committee too, and you're looking at both of these teams, I think a loss to LSU definitely looks better for Florida than obviously a loss to at LSU, South Carolina. Sure, at, at LSU, LSU yeah. close game versus a home game versus yeah. yeah. But it, it's not going to matter because the team that wins it. The team that loses is not going to be in contention, right? Like, so, that's a good point. But it's they won't it they won't be comparing those two. Yeah, teams. loser goes home. It's a loser leaves town. Match. Yep. Okay. So with what you were saying about about Florida injuries, talent, whatever, are we seeing because of how they've played this year? And I'll even say how they played against LSU in the loss. Just how good Dan Mullen really is, oh, yeah. as head coach. Yeah, I think. So. By the way, it's uh, Florida's. Uh, Missouri's four and three against Florida in the seven years Missouri's been in the league, not five and two. Yeah, but you're you're preaching to the choir. I've been a yeah. I Dan Mullen guy since Mississippi State. You look at what he did there. A great offensive coach can win different styles offensively. Like this isn't the style he wants to play. He wants more of a running quarterback. I think that's why Felipe Franks, not Kyle Trask, got yeah. the job there. So yeah, are they I, better with him? It's hard Trask. to argue that they're not. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think they think are. They would be. They're a better team. Because I think so. Of that, right? I, I think so. Um, well, Braden on our on our morning show, your colleague at Athlon, has been been high on the Kyle Trask train for a long. A it's long hard time, not to so. be. He makes you know he makes the plays. He, he that that uh, LSU game. His toughness. He played. He played great down there. Uh, so yeah, I'm a huge Dan Mullen guy. I think Florida's just going to continue to get better and better. Now, one thing about them is they don't. They have not recruited at the elite level that the Georgias and Alabamas and LSUs, you would think they would, and I don't have the, you know, you could, anyone go look up the 247 numbers or rivals, wherever, but that's not really, Dan Mullen has never been the, known as the elite recruiter, but it, it hasn't really mattered. He, you know, at Mississippi State, number one in the country, I think they will get players good enough to be a real threat to Georgia in the SEC East over the next, you know, half decade. I said when I started on this show that I think, before it's all said and done, Dan Mullen will win a national championship at Florida, and I stand by yeah, that. Yeah, I, I I would not be surprised at all. It's it's there's more team that, you know more teams than ever quote unquote trying to win a national championship. You know, fifteen twenty years ago, I think the list of teams that you'd say could win a national championship was probably a little bit smaller. But now with coaching salaries, facilities, teams Texas A and M's of the world paying coaches, you know everyone's yeah. making four million dollars. But yeah, I, I would. I, I would put my money in the, the, the Dan Mullen camp. And Florida should send a gift basket every year to Chip Kelly. Every <laughs> single year, a really nice gift basket. It's, cra- it's crazy it how says, those things work out. Thanks for saying no. <laughs> thanks for not you know not wanting to handle the heat of the uh, SEC East and wanting mm-hmm. to go coach in L.A. But before we let you go, I did want to get your th- – we were talking about Tennessee earlier, but just the, the thing on the sideline with Garantano and Jeremy Pruitt, what were your thoughts? Do you think the outrage is warranted, or is that just hard coaching? I don't know how much outrage there is. Like, we sit here and talk and said everyone's killing Jeremy Pruitt. No, half the people are killing Jeremy Pruitt. Half the people are saying it's no big deal. Like, it's, that's the way we argue now in the social media world. You, you, your point is arguing against everyone else says this. 
this is going to be a boring answer. I don't think he should have done it, but I don't really have a problem with it. It's not like, I don't know, do you guys remember Bill Curry? I mean, this is going back, but Bill Curry in the 92 Sugar Bowl he grabbed, at Alabama, he grabbed one of his guys. Basically, he was like, We're, we don't play like Miami plays. Like, Miami was doing some crazy stuff, and Alabama guy taunted, and he grabbed him and whipped it around. It wasn't even close to that. You know, he kind of pulled his hand off. My issue with Pruitt wasn't really that play. I think he needs to calm down. Lou Holtz used to drag guys yeah. off the field. I, the I, I think he needs to be yeah. almost even less emotional on the side. Like, I think he coaches like a fan sometimes. Going back to that uh, BYU game when he just ripped Alante yeah. Taylor. Like, it's, it's that, you, there's in the final plays of a close game. You've got you to be the CEO of the program. You let your position coach rip him apart, or you wait till the film session. The way he's just kind of running down the sidelines, it's going crazy. He needs to be more It alerted people that, hey, something was up with that play. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and that's and when he had to the Jordan Rodgers of the yeah. world start looking and and sifting through and say, you know what, he went on his own on that play, and then all this of a sudden right. people know what happened. Right, it's, I just, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being emotional. It's maybe great. they would have found it anyway, but he certainly called some. Hey, something's up. I just think he needs he needs to be a more presidential. I don't, maybe that's not well. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna. Do, he's a, he's a football coach. Yeah, right? I a big time Division One head football coach. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. he's on a huge stage. Um, do you think this is the beginning of the end for Garantano in Knoxville, that this is kind of the end? I It feels that way, It feels that it? way. I don't know how a kid bounces back from that. I mean, that was pretty uh, a national, uh, you know, undressing, so to speak. And yeah. It's clear he wasn't in the best of graces with that staff to begin with. And, you know, I don't know the update. I've seen some tweets. I don't think we'll know the update on Brandon Maurer until later this week. But that's two concussions. So, But they have another option in that. Yeah, she was J.T. Stroud. You yeah, know. yeah. I so, mean, so, I guess we'll know, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. It's you know, he's a talented kid that just has been inconsistent and, and hasn't, you know, there's, there's there's a disconnect there somewhere between him and the coaching staff. Joshua has tweeted at all of us and said, as a diehard Michigan fan, I'm not calling for Harbaugh's head, but like you guys said, who do you get at this point for the rest of the season? This conversation will be different next year if it's a similar season so i mean every year that they don't win the argument yeah become in my opinion becomes more valid I, but we don't need to rehash that yeah, and, and meanwhile second. you have ohio state people are really on board with that train right now saying oh they're better than clemson they yeah. should be better than like it doesn't mean anything right now right. but they the eye test is certainly impressive with ohio state right now and oh. it's not as impressive for clemson as we thought right no doubt uh, ohio state has just been looked completely dominant now clemson you know you, you can trevor lawrence through two picks or whatever they still beat a pretty decent Louisville team easily. So I'm not off the Clemson bandwagon. But if you're looking for a team that has been dominant every week, no hiccups, it's Ohio State and LSU, in my opinion, have been the two most impressive teams as far as on-the-field performance with Alabama right behind them. Dabo making that kid that got ejected go home with the staff on a bus. I gotta watch my. He did not fly the, home with the team. I gotta watch my performance in the next road game. If I don't do a good job on the sideline, has Joe, that ever Joe, happened to you? Joe Fisher is gonna make me uh, take a train back to Nashville. I won't go <laughs> on, the, on the team plane. Good to see you, Mitch. Thanks for doing this. Did you get a train back? I don't know. It would not be a passenger train. Can you take a train from Columbia, Columbia, South Carolina to Nashville? I don't think so. Not as they say in in, uh, Plains Trains, not a people's train. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe go Amtrak. People's train. (laughs) Wichita. Wichita. (laughs) Mitch Light, Athlon Sports, Vanderbilt sideline reporter. We'll come back, wrap up the third hour of Darren, Donnick, and Chase next.